Hello, you're listening to We Just Like to Talk. I'm your host, Becky. And I'm Ben. And this is a podcast for easy listening about hard subjects. Today's topic is... Making lemonade out of lemons. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about making the best out of not so great situations that we both have experienced. Why don't you start and tell us what happened? Yeah, so I broke my elbow at the beginning of the summer uh, and it, it was obviously a big deal because it's a broken elbow, but also just very strange, very surreal, the whole experience for me. Mm-hmm. I had never broken a bone before in my life, so I had no frame of reference for the pain or the inconvenience or the process that's the whole process that's involved. I actually posted a blog post last month sort of going into more detail about the whole experience. So I'm, I won't recap the whole chain of events on this episode, but I'll certainly put a link to the blog post in the show notes. So if people want the whole story, they can go and read my blog. But basically I was biking to work It was a morning in June and I wiped out on my bike through no fault of anybody except my own. And I fell awkwardly, broke my elbow, ended up having to go to the emergency room. I was very fortunate. I managed to have surgery three days later. I had almost no pain either before or after the surgery, really, which Mm -hmm. is not always the case, right? After the surgery... Everything was up in the air. I went into the surgery. I've never had that kind of major surgery before. It was such a weird and surreal experience. And then waking up feeling fine. Like, yes, my arm is in a cast. I can't move it. But again, I wasn't in any pain. Didn't really even need the painkillers that much. Other than the fact that I couldn't move my arm. I felt okay. So I spent the next several weeks recovering. Just being annoyed that I couldn't move my arm. And then after I was allowed to start taking the cast off, they they split the cast down the the seam so I could take it off and then put it back on and wrap it up in a tensor bandage so I could start going to physio. I was supposed to get an arm brace, like an elbow brace, that would prevent me from doing anything except bending the, the arm. But that didn't arrive for like three weeks after it was prescribed and I ordered it. So I ended up using it for about five days and then... I had a follow-up with the doctor, and he basically said, yeah, you you should keep using the brace a little bit, but you can wean yourself off it. And it's just like, well, that was the most expensive piece of medical equipment I've never paid for because my insurance (laughs) covered it all. Uh, Hashtag unions. But (laughs) yeah, it's just that was definitely the defining event of my summer. Well, first, I want to commend you because you were such a trooper during that whole time. And yes, you had your moments of of doubt of whether, you know, you'd get back your full range of motion. But overall, Ben, you handled it like a true champ. And I think that was really impressive and inspiring to see. 
what do you what do you feel like is the silver lining in all of that hmm i mean part of me doesn't like that kind of framing because i did i talked to a few people while i was convalescing and they would kind of try to put that positive spin on it of like oh well you know at least on the bright side <clears throat> and part of me likes to push back against that because it's like not everything has to have that bright side right sometimes things mm -hmm. just suck and is there mm -hmm. a bright side to breaking your arm i don't know in the spirit of the topic of the episode though in terms of you know making lemonade mm -hmm. out of lemons certainly yeah. it gave me perspective we're so good at saying we're going to take time for ourselves and we're so good at saying, oh, I just need to take time for myself. But then we don't actually do it because that would, you know, to actually do it would make me feel guilty and like I'm being a terrible person. So mm -hmm. it, I will say it was nice to have the excuse. I'm not saying you should go out and break your elbow so that you can have time for yourself, but it definitely forced me to slow things down. Yeah, I think it's not to not to sound too ironic, but like you said, it, it, it was a good break. <laughs> you Not to make it too puns. funny. <laughs> is it too late to, I'm sorry, is I had it too to. late to choose a different host for the podcast? <laughs> yes, it's too late. We're in what, episode 14 now? You're stuck with me indefinitely. But yeah, I, I do like I do like what you said about not having to try to make everything into something like super, super positive. Because I, I know like while you're going through it, you're like this sucks and I sort of said to you like you're right this does suck because I was trying to think like if this was happening to me I would 100% think that that sucked as well you know mm -hmm. it limited you um in certain ways and you're absolutely right like we tell ourselves that we're going to give ourselves a break and you know focus on other things and kind of like slow down but that like really I think really forced you to slow down right yeah. And it also reassured me in the sense of as somebody who is alone in the sense of I don't have a partner, I live by myself, I have a small number of very close friends such as yourself, mm -hmm. but I don't really, I'm not super outgoing and I don't really go to a lot of events and sometimes I think I need to work on those weaker tie relationships. Mm -hmm. This did reassure me because when I was debilitated with the broken arm, some people did step up and it, it did feel like I had a support network in place. So mm -hmm. before then, there were often times where I would think like, if something happened to me and I was not capable of being independent, what would I do? Because I don't have a partner taking care of me. I don't necessarily have a lot of friends I can call on. But, you know, mm -hmm these kinds of situations really reveal, I don't want to say like who's the true friend and not, but they reveal which people in your life will step up and actually help and which people will sympathize and express their condolences, but maybe not do something. And I'm not trying to say that those people are bad friends because we're all going through stuff and we're all busy. But when you're in a situation where you need help, it's nice to know who you can actually count on for that help. Mm -hmm. In a sense, it kind of shows you like who's there for you like when you need it the most. Yes. So somebody like you who isn't even in mm -hmm. the same city. But again, we could talk all the time and you were always so supportive. I had some friends 
made me meals that they I could put in my freezer because I wasn't cooking for a few weeks at least. Um, mm-hmm. I had other friends offering to give me rides places because I couldn't drive. Other people would just check in on me. So it, w- it was nice. And as somebody who lives alone, as we talked about in our last episode, who's content with that situation, it did reassure me that as I get older and as I maybe have more issues where I need help, I can reach out to some of my friends and ask them for help. And I think part of it too is it reassured me that I I have enough people that I'm not putting that uh, expectation on just a small group, right? It would be so uh, dangerous for me to reach out and say, hey, like, Rebecca, like, you and I, I just, I need you to like talk to me every single day because I'm so... Uh, stressed about having this broken elbow and that wouldn't be fair on you so obviously Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you as much as possible but if you're not available I had other people I could reach out to right and if one person couldn't give me a ride I had somebody else I could ask for a ride so it's it's about building that community and that network around yourself that's strong enough that you're never relying on just like one or two people and you, that way, if somebody can't come through for whatever reason, it's not just the practicality of finding an alternative person, but it doesn't hurt as much. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like you said, it shows you a lot about your support network and not relying on just like one or two people. But what has this taught you maybe about yourself that you didn't already kind of know before? Pretty good at putting things on one handed, I have to say and stuff <laughs> i mean it, it, gave, it gave me that perspective right of like i have always been a fairly able-bodied person and that is yeah. a type of privilege and when you have that when you have that kind of physical disability even a temporary one it definitely changes things a little bit mm-hmm. and and even now having done physiotherapy i have a lot of my range of motion back but there's still certain motions that i'm limited in I also learned not how to ask for help because I feel that I'm always, I've, I feel like I'm pretty good at asking for help if I need help with something, but I felt a little bit more comfortable asking for help and not feeling like I was making a huge imposition on people. Mm. I think as somebody who's a little bit shy and not that outgoing, sometimes I do avoid asking for help because I worry that I'm putting pressure on my friends. I'm just, I'm naturally mm-hmm. paranoid that if I, ask them to go out of the way in any possible way. They're just going to turn around and say, no, I hate you. I'm never going to talk to you again, which is a very weird thing to think. But this is what happens sometimes in my brain. Um, And it's strange Mm. because, as you know, I love helping my friends. So why wouldn't they want to help me in return? Of course they would. But sometimes your brain goblin tells you, no, Ben, nobody wants to help you. Or they want to help you, but they're too busy. You shouldn't ask them because then they're going to feel bad that they can't help you. And because I literally needed help sometimes, I just, it was a bit easier for me to ask for the help. And if people were too busy or if they couldn't do something and they said no, that would happen sometimes. And I would just have to deal with it. And I just have to ask somebody else. So it was a good experience in that sense of it made me a little bit more comfortable reaching out when I needed to, not feeling like I was being a burden and trusting my friends that if they weren't able to do mm-hmm. something for me, that was okay. Nice. I think that's huge. And can I just say I love that you call it a brain goblin? 
Yeah, I got that term from uh, the Friendshipping podcast with Jen and Trent. They talk about brain goblins sometimes. <laughs> I love that. In terms of your weird summer, Becky, uh, congratulations on a whole year in Montreal. You, I think you've flourished. I think you've done very well for yourself in that whole year. Thank but you. But this summer has been another summer of change and adjustment because towards the, the middle of the summer, right, you had your roommates moving out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a really big change. And I know I previously talked about my old roommates, the couple from France, saying how much I loved living with them and how much we got along. So it was it was a sad day when they came up to me and said, hey, we actually bought a place and we're going to be moving out like next month. Of course, I was super happy for them because they've been living in Montreal for a while and they've had roommates uh, since living here. So um, just as their friend, I was super happy for for them to find their own place and to kind of grow together. But it was mostly that you were just going to miss the cash, really. <laughs> as much as I complained about the third furry roommate, yeah, I definitely, definitely was going to miss her for sure. And still do miss her. You know, you, you live almost a full year with two people that you've gotten to know really well, gotten along with, and then all of a sudden they're going to be gone and you're not sure, like, how much are you going to see them and how much are you going to talk? And of course the friendship is going to change um, even though you don't really want it to. So I think that part was really tough. And I just remember coming back to the apartment because I think I had gone away, maybe back to Thunder Bay and they had like moved out all of their stuff. The cat was gone and like I was completely on my own in the apartment so that was a really like lonely feeling and Mm -hmm. as and and part of me was excited too because I would have had like more room right like even with one roommate they take up less space than two people Mm -hmm. so part of me was like excited for something new but then the other part of me was like really really sad and it kind of it came crashing down on that day when I came back and the apartment was totally empty. It just hit you. Yeah, it kind of just hit me for sure. But I just had to like really focus during the summer and kind of think like, okay, how am I going to make ends meet? This is a really expensive place for just one person. Am I going to find a roommate right away or can I have like an alternative? So so you had that classic double stress of the the emotional stress of having to deal with these people that you were so used to spending time with just suddenly not being a part of your life that much. Plus yeah. the practical financial stress of I need a roommate to help me with my money. Yeah, 100%. And I think a lot of my energy was just sucked up by by those two things for sure Mm. i quickly made the decision because it was like towards the end of june going into july that yeah i'm probably not going to find a roommate in like one or even two weeks 
So I went down the route of Airbnb, my second bedroom in the apartment. It was difficult to navigate Airbnb at first because I've only ever used it as a guest and now I was using it as a host. And then I also wanted to attract French people and English people. So I had to make my, my post in both French and English. And then, yeah, and then just kind of see, I think it was the unknown that was the most stress inducing for sure. Like, okay, what types of guests am I going to have? What are my rules? Yeah, how am I going to navigate all this? Am I actually a good host or am I going to get annoyed with people? I had three guests in the month of July. Uh, one was really great. Actually, two were really great. And then one was... Uh, a guest from hell. Yeah, a guest from hell. We'll leave it at that. Basically, she was really rude and not respectful and... We don't want to give the listeners the wrong impression. Becky was never any in any danger at any time. The, nothing was getting no. damaged, but just the, the guest no. was not respectful of the space in terms of keeping things tidy. Yeah. Uh, and her, it, it just, from the way you described it to me, it felt like her attitude was very strange. Yeah, very strange attitude and just the type of person that doesn't make you want to go home right away. You feel like a stranger in your own space. When you were looking for a roommate, right? Yeah. What did you learn from the process? Because you moved into an existing situation, right? Your roommates found you. You applied to move into their apartment. Um, mm -hmm. So now you were on the other end of that experience. So this was your first time being the established person in the home and inviting somebody else into your space. So what did you mm -hmm. learn from that whole process? I learned that... It was better not to, like, feel a lot of fear, but rather just, like, trust the process. Like, knowing that you put everything out there. Like, I had put a sign outside, put ads on, like, Facebook and Kijiji and Craigslist and every, every possible place I could think of, along with, like, asking friends, like, hey, do you know either a person or a couple that's looking for an apartment? So I kind of learned, like, because I was like really, really stressed out. And then I was like, okay, I have to take a step back. And I put it all out there. I did all the hard work. And now I'm going to let people like sort of come to me. So I I guess I learned like, you just sort of have to trust the process as, as hokey pokey as that sounds. There's only so much that you can learn about somebody before you just take that leap of faith and let them into your space, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think... What I learned is like how somebody responds, maybe even to your ad, says a lot about who they are as well. Like, you know that the person that I ended up choosing, the message that they sent to me was like very detailed, very respectful, and overall just like wanted to get to know me and see what the place looks like, which I think are the two most important things, obviously. Mm -hmm. Do you feel better now that you have the roommate in terms of your, your financial situation? Absolutely. I feel better about my financial situation, but I would say like the summer definitely taught me I can be like very resourceful and I could always be better with my finances. Yeah. Like when you think you have it bad and then you actually have it bad, <laughs> you definitely see the difference and 
and realize like where you could cut back on. So like my whole situation with breaking my elbow, right? This experience gave you perspective in terms of what you thought of as kind of normal and the the scale of your expectations. And then suddenly to have just for a month or two, your life upended mm-hmm. in a certain way helped you yep. understand things from that different perspective. And it's it's a traumatic event in its own way. It's not a physical trauma in your case, but it was a trauma because it forces you. It doesn't give you a choice, basically, right? Like with some situations, mm-hmm. you always have an element of choice. You can choose to move to Montreal. You can choose to quit a job or move on to a new job. You can choose which job you take. But sometimes mm-hmm. life doesn't give you a choice. I think that's what people mean when they say when life gives you lemons, right? It's you didn't ask for the lemons. The lemons just kind of get thrown at you <laughs> and you either catch them or they smack you in the face. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's interesting because the other day somebody asked me, how was your summer? Did you feel like, I hate you know, those did you go to... I know, right? And they're like, did you go to any festivals? And I was like, to be honest, the last, like, I would say two summers have been a little bit weird for me because there's been so much change. And I would say, like, the first summer, definitely I chose that change. So it was, like, more exciting, but had had its moments of stress. Whereas, like, this summer wasn't, like, change that I really wanted. There was a lot of stress involved with it. But that's not to say I didn't, like, make the most out of, like, the summertime itself, right? Like, I still managed to do a couple of fun things here and there. But like we said at the beginning, it was just, like, a weird summer. Sometimes I feel like we place too much of a premium when we say, oh, you know, let's focus on making good memories in our life. We place too much of a premium on uh, specific moments. You know, let's go to the festival. Let's let's remember this night out. Sometimes... Good memories means when you look back at that period in your life, overall, were you satisfied? Were you content? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And and maybe we hype, yeah, like we hype things up too much. It's like New Year's Eve. You know, it's the same thing. It's like everybody has these like crazy expectations, but really like it's just another night. Yeah. Yeah. Make the most of it. But like, why aren't you making the most of like every single day too? I mean, it's just a, it's just another night for you. You're gonna kiss hot guys. Sorry, that's next episode. <laughs> and dress up. Segway. <laughs> Thanks for talking with me and helping me put a positive spin on reflecting on a summer that was not always positive. If uh, if listeners have some thoughts of their own on how they can make lemonade out of their personal lemons and want to get in touch with us, Becky, how do they find us? You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast including Apple Podcast. You can also reach out to us at we just like to talk at gmail.com. Our website is www.wejustliketotalk.com. All right. Thanks for chatting with me, Becky. Thank you for chatting with me, Ben, and for always being there during the highs and the lows. 